right, so we're talking about Purim. Yes, we are. There's just no way to not get excited about Purim because it's built for, literally, it's in the book, celebrating and rejoicing. That's the command. And there's a reason for that. After the Jews' great victory over their enemies across Persia, Mordecai actually ordered all Jews across the entire kingdom and set aside the 13th and 14th of Adar every year to make them days of feasting, rejoicing, sending food portions one to another, who then loved to get food from somebody, and giving gifts to the poor. Then he called the days Purim. Now, how they celebrate is very interesting. We talked about this a little bit ago when Esther asked Mordecai to go and gather all the Jews of the city to fast and pray with her for three days before she approached the king. That one act was very significant in the way that Purim is still celebrated today. While Haman alone plotted the destructions of the, of the destruction of the Jews, the unity of the Jews would be the antidote. It's the reason there are specific traditions on Purim. It's in presents to one another. Again, it's unity. Gifts to the poor again, others. Purim is intentionally a holiday you can't celebrate alone. Right. That's why in your giving, you're participating in Purim. Several things are expected of a Jew on Purim. Now, this is more on the traditional side if you read how they function. Mm -hmm. To give money to at least two poor people. One important note, it's giving gifts, not charity. Charity implies money given to the poor out of pity. But gifts are exchanged between equals and an expression of gratitude or friendship. So even in, when we're asking you to give to victory today, it's not asking you how to give to give out of pity, but rather because we're both serving God and you want to see this Amen. radio ministry to go forth. To send baskets of sweets and snacks to at least one person. Come on, what a good day for that, right? Mm -hmm. To attend a festive festival and read the Megillah. Now, that's the book of Esther. Megillah is a Hebrew word for a scroll or a book. The Megillah Esther is known as the Megillah because it's so popular. It's like the favorite. It's uh, chanted in a very interactive, fun, and noisy way. There are people wearing costumes or skits and puppets, maybe sometimes. It's just, it's, it's out of control. When Haman's name is read aloud, which occurs 54 times, everybody makes noise to blot out his name. Some write the name of Haman on the soles of their shoes, and so you mention his name and you're stomping <laughs> your feet. So it's just a, it's one of those festivals that is very fun. Whenever Haman's name is mentioned, they yell, they boo, they use loud spitting noisemakers to literally blot out his name whenever it's mentioned. So they didn't do it a long time ago, but they do do it now. It's a lot like a college football game where everybody gets dressed up, <laughs> makes lots of noise, cheering for their team and booing the other team. So, Do you remember those noisemakers from the World Cup all those years ago? Those, that's what those the, are. Vuvuzelas, yeah, those yeah, things. Let's make those noises. That's exactly what it was. Yes. So on the day before Purim, which is yesterday, it starts yesterday evening is the pre-day. So all day yesterday, it's customary to fast and pray to commemorate Esther's fasting and prayer for God to save his people, especially obviously Israel. How should we celebrate? Well, Purim points to end time events for which we need to be prepared. So like Esther, we should be fasting and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the salvation of God's chosen people. And like Mordecai, tradition of giving, we can sow into ministries seeking to reach the lost. And of course, it is also tradition to give to Messianic ministries at this time that are trying to reach the lost and reaching lost uh, Jews, especially. Now, while the theme for Purim is celebration and victory, throughout history, Purim often coincided with significantly bad events by those who hated the Jews, not surprisingly. So the February Revolution in Russia began at Purim 
1917. Mm. I mean, talk about something that changed the world. So, but usually these kind of events change it for the worse. And so, leading the, to the Tsar abdicating his throne within a week, go forward 20 years in World War II in 1938, German troops invaded Austria at Perm. So they're targeting this particular date. At Perm in 1942, Auschwitz camp was established. Mm. In fact, Adolf Hitler banned and forbade the observance of Purim. Nazi attacks against Jews were often coordinated with any Jewish festival, but especially they hated Purim. And in Purim 1942, 10 Jews were hanged in Poland to avenge the hanging of Haman's 10 sons. Isn't that strange? Now, and I think was rather a profound one, in an apparent connection made by Hitler between his Nazi regime and the role of Haman, Hitler stated in a speech made January 30th, 1944, that's the year that eventually they were wiped out and he was killed. That if the Nazis were defeated, the Jews could celebrate a second Purim. Which, of course, they got to do that very year. Yes, so they did. He uh, actually had his timing very well on when he said that one. So it's an unusual time. Those are the festivities and things like that. There's also a connection to Yom Kippur. So let's say all about that coming up. Wow.